0: Yes, when Andrea asked if I would come and and give a talk, I thought, oh, that would be fun. (laughs) Uh, And I wasn't quite sure what to talk about. So I I have a particular interest in travel, tropical diseases, environmental issues, and that that sort of thing. And uh, I had given a, a talk, this is a bit adapted from it, over in Dublin about 18 months ago on the same topic. Uh, and uh, I, I, just a way of introduction, after that talk, someone came up to me and said, I've never heard a talk like that at any medical meeting before, she said. <laughs> so you can take that two ways. Um, but she was actually being complimentary. Uh, so so I, I've sort of developed the, the, the ideas a bit more since. I, I, th- I think just slightly adding to what Andrea has said, I, I'd like to just give a slight background as to where I'm coming from. I think that often helps to to understand some of the factual things I'll be saying, but also some of the waffle. Um, uh, There may well be people here as well who were born during World War II, I was. And uh, a big influence in my life was, was living in 15 years of austerity after it, which anyone who lived at that time would be very well aware of. But we didn't call it austerity. We, we smile a bit when people say there's austerity going on now because it was that's nothing compared with what we had then. But that was, I think, looking back, was quite a big influence on, on uh, the attitude of those of us at the time to, to um, possessions and materialism and all the rest of it and waste and that which has really taken off since. Um, another big influence was that um, uh, I was sent to a private school Uh, hated it like mad. It was very traditional with everyone getting flogged all the time and atmosphere of fear and all the rest. So I left when I was 15 and went to a technical college, uh, which allowed me to really develop another interest, which was farming, because I grew up just 100 yards away from a farm where I spent almost all my spare time working on the farm and doing all the activities. And it was an old-fashioned, for want of a better word, traditional farm down in Worcestershire, which had a bit of everything and I absolutely loved it and decided to do farming. Uh, but it was just at the time when farming was being becoming a business, a profit-making business, rather than a way of life, uh, as in the sense that it used to be. And that wasn't for me. So I thought I'd take the easy option and, and become a doctor. And uh, fortunately I'd got, by that time, the same. it was the same qualifications to do both subjects. So if people tease me, I say, well, It's just treating animals and treating humans, it's not a big, big shift. Um, And it's really interesting now to see the vet school and medicine coming together in in the university, which is relatively recent. Um, The next influence in terms of the travel was that at that time, this is an interesting link between Glasgow, I was a Birmingham graduate, but at that time Birmingham and Glasgow were helping to set up a medical school in what was then Rhodesia. Does anyone remember that? Um, And uh, the final year students were allowed, as part of their course, to go to Rhodesia for three or four months to study. And that was considered to be acceptable for the medical degree you got later on, because the teaching was was relatively similar, although the patients were clearly very very different. and Glasgow, there was five of us out, two from Glasgow and three from, from Edinburgh on, on that exchange, and students from there came across to, to, to the UK. Another influence that will come through was that um, after I had qualified, um, I, I think it was partly the African experience, but I, I was really quite disturbed in that I thought I'd been right the way through my medical ca- career, and no one had ever talked about health. All, all the people I'd had, had been taught about was disease. And I couldn't really grasp that. So I, I, I disappeared for a year down to Cambridge and did a year's um, sabbatical looking at health um, uh, from a, a science and religion perspective, looking at the scientific approach and looking at the religious side of it as well. Um, interestingly, a lot of what I learned then I don't think has changed much, uh, sort of 50 years later, um, in, in terms of the, the, the knowledge. Um, then, then, having qualified and become an ID physician, I went off to India and worked there for some time, so Andrea knows all about that, having a lot of Indian connections as well. Came back, and the only subject that I hadn't really planned was the travel medicine, but because I'd been abroad, uh, there was a need for people to take on that role And I was in Rock Hill Hospital doing infectious diseases, having worked abroad and been in Africa. And I was just said, Eric, would you like to take this on? We need to have sources of information for all these people that are now going abroad. Uh, Will you set up something? So that was, I was saying that the travel medicine was a bit by default, sort of bringing together um, things I'd done in the past. So so that, I think what I'm going to go through, I think if you think of the environmental issues, the... uh, um gardening and mention the horticultural side of things the philosophy philosophy side of things um the time abroad i think you'll see where i'm coming from when, when i go through the these these slides i've got about 20 slides so it won't go on too long unless i get carried away But if, if i see any of you sleeping i'll stop and go on to the next one um how many people knew that saint christopher was the patron saint of travel everyone brilliant that's <laughs> usually don't get that answer um, and you, you you know the story of him uh, uh, i don't know it in detail but but he he came into taking people across this river who were getting drowned a very particularly dangerous river and so he saw his job in life is to carry people across this river to safety and then uh, uh he carried one young boy across, and he found the burden was very heavy, carrying this young boy, and then he, he the after afterwards decided or was, i don't know how it came about he he, he reckoned this young boy was was um, the Christ Jesus carrying the globe and the world on his head. so this is the, that that is the the background to that. Um, I can see it here. Um, I've got some slides particularly looking at, at travel first and then, then going on to the environmental issues related to, to travel and then getting a bit sort of philosophical as to why we find it so different, difficult sometimes to accept the need for change if we like to preserve our environment and, and keep the human species going, if you like. Um, so travel and migration... Um, if we go way, way back, of course, people traveled out of escaping from ice in the ice ages and to get animal food and collecting vegetables, completely unsettled nomadic populations. And uh, uh, I, I, I was at, gave a, a talk at one of the student conferences last year, uh, and, and they were very amused when they were all talking about migration in the modern day political terms of which has got very sort of hadn't really thought that migration was really moving around and that it's not confined to humans Um, so so uh, i think uh, it's perhaps acceptable to say the only people that actually manage to damage the environment when they travel are the humans Though it's not the the animals and and the birds they seem to fit in quite well And before I get on to sort of being a a bit of a critique of the problems associated with travel, I think it's nice to be very positive and say there's lots, obviously, of of exciting things that we can now do with with modern-day travel that we couldn't do. Um, And these are just some some of the examples I've mutual respect and understanding for other cultures and creeds etc. That doesn't always happen but I think most of us who have taught medical students and been involved with them going away on electives realise how significant an elective period for a medical student is and how how changing, what a changing experience and, 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 and life-changing sort of experience it is for them. I certainly have experienced that myself and, and still see it now with the students going away to Africa or Asia particularly. Perhaps Perhaps less so those that that go to North America and Europe, Um, and and that sort of travel obviously helps to get give us an appreciation of a global perspective on things, a global looking at the world and what our role in it, getting us away from being rather parochial. I could go on for a whole hour on that, and anyone else who's been abroad and similar. things like, like like I've done w- would really understand what they mean, I think. Um, uh, and I certainly, like many people who go abroad for a period of time, really get quite hit with what we call reverse culture shock. Have any of you experienced that? <laughs> Andrea, for one, yes. And if, it, it's the sort of living in that completely different world uh, and then coming back. Uh, and I, I couldn't quite grasp... Um, I couldn't I was really upset by seeing all these great big chunks of metal with wheels on that people were driving around <laughs> burning up fuel and making smoke and all the rest of it. And the other thing was television. I could, we didn't didn't have a television for about three years after we, we, we came back. It was just it was really quite and had really loved the, the life, if you like, in, in Indian villages, because my work was actually in villages, which is a little bit unique, not completely so. Um, but uh, I was responsible in a primary care perspective for about ten villages, so you can imagine the huge difference coming coming back to here. Um, I think the bottom there I think we have to remember of course that that most travel is not more related to these top things. About eighty percent of trips from this country going abroad are to do with tourism short term tourism package tours and and for business they 're not if you like for the more more adventurous um, ty- types of reasons. Um, I think it's very easy to see why uh, responsible travel um, is, is has become such an issue, and why why travel. When you look at how travel has increased, if you look at that top graph, it's I don't know I don't know whether the lights can be slightly dimmed, but that that graph shows over the last 30, 40 years the dramatic increase in the number of people leaving this country to go abroad. That excludes all transit travellers. Is that all right? I think that's better. That excludes transit travellers. And you can see how it's gone up and it's dipped with the recession at the end. And that dip is almost totally due to the reduction in tourists. It's not going to to um, Europe, particularly in North America. It's not The bottom lines are the the green ones and blue ones at the bottom are people going to other parts of the world, Asia, Africa, South America. So so that that hasn't really been affected by the recession. I think probably because people are there going for different reasons. Um, uh, Expatriates for work, um, electives, etc. And the big thing that shot that up, of course, was the jumbo jet that that meant that so many people suddenly started going abroad. And the figures are that it's, it's about um, 500% increase over 30 years in the number of people going abroad. It was about, th- that's maybe wrong, but I know it was about 5 million back in the 1970s, and it's now 60 million. I can't think what percentage increase that is. Any 5 million to 60, which is absolutely huge. Um, and all the implications there of advising travellers, of seeing people coming back with strange diseases... Um, And all, 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 obviously, environmental impact of that increase in travel is is very substantial. Um, And it's not just tourists and individuals travelling. Of course, the travel uh, impact comes from business and trade, as in the top right, seeing how the huge container ships that we now have and the the way way, goods are brought all around the country, all around the world. Maybe just mention the the, the the pollution issues which we'll will we'll come back to. Um that's just showing the, the sort of CO2 uh problem. Um the, the the pollution due to traffic, um if anyone's been to you no know, we we've got it some in Glasgow here and I had trouble getting through in the rush hour. But if you go to countries like Mexico City or Chennai, which I know very well, or Delhi or Kolkata, it's absolutely horrendous now, Um, just particularly in in Chennai over the last 10-15 years. 15 years, I keep going back, I should say, every year or two and have ever since I worked there. Um, You used to be able to get from one side of the city in, in about 40 minutes. It now takes about three hours. Um, and the only way to reasonably go from one side of the city to the other is in late evening or at night. Because it's just, just, it takes so much of the, the day to move around. And the pollution um, is, is horrendous. The only time I've ever wheezed was in Calcutta. And I had to go down into the underground to escape from the, the fumes. Because uh, I don't normally have asthma, but, but I definitely had, had bronchospasm from it. Um, um so we we're, we're moving on from the neanderthals and the our, our origins etc uh, and we obviously then move towards uh, settling down finding that you can use grasses uh and and wheat is a grass and oats is a grass and, and, and get farm it yourself and then then uh, uh, use it for food and learning how to to domesticate animals and look after them, rather than having to go out and, and uh, catch them and, and kill them and, and possibly be killed yourself in the process. So that, that perhaps was the next stage, and that's just one or two examples of... Well, you'll, you'll all recognise Scarabray in the, in the, in the top right of these, these early settlements. But an important point is when that happened, then people moved towards... for more, more of an education approach to things a study. No science isn't new, If you t- we'll come back to what science is later on, but the actual process of science isn't new, it's just that we now define it more, more clearly. But, but objective observations and doing analysis and conclusions goes way, 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 way back um, in, in smaller ways. Um, I keep looking up there, it's much easier to look here. Um, of course in, in those days of travel as people were settling down and then moving from place to place. The the, um, the predominant way of travel, as we as we know all too well in Scotland, uh, was by water. It wasn't overland, because overland you were having to go through forests and there were dangerous animals and it was really risky and usually took a very long time. So mo- that that of course is why most of our cities. Uh, or many of the long standing cities are on Est- river estuaries or on the coast they're not, not in, in, in the centre of the, the country um, and uh, th- those are just some of the um, different ways we, we used to travel in, in the water travel days and, and as obviously impl- I've implied already overland travel uh, if you're wading chopping your way through forests with, with um, wild boar and all those sorts of things around. Uh, eventually, when more and more people wanted to travel overland, uh, we moved towards um, having tracks or roads to move on. That that top left one there is is a, a mot where where a drove road um, uh, goes up near where I live near Aberfoyle, uh, but that was originally a drove road. And of course, do any of you know Drimmon? Uh, the Clacken in Drimmon was one of the drove drovers. Um, stopping off places for a drink while the cattle were kept round about top right is just a roman road we were all aware of that and then because horses were particularly useful for pulling carts etc when when wheels came came along but i've added just an indian flavor which andrea will fully appreciate in in india it's not horses it's cows that do do that job um, of course the huge change in, in travel came with the Industrial Revolution, which people tend to think was a good thing. Uh, and of course, there's lots of in it that I think is good, but there was very... If you look at environmental impacts and social impacts, etc., uh, there was a lot of not good things about it in terms of, of, of health. Um, uh, so, so this big, big increase, not so environmentally friendly, but it was the thing that triggered what we now call urbanization or the development of big cities. Bit bit defaultish because it was because of the factories and the, the dockyards, etc., that people uh, came into to these areas to get work. Um, and, and uh, of course, they, they weren't geared up for it, and therefore we ended up, like at the bottom, with so many different diseases. Dermot Kennedy, colleague and friend of mine, is an expert on... Glasgow and all, all the uh, infections and problems that uh, that were around during the the 19th and, and 18th and 19th centuries. Um, I find it interesting to ponder over which came first uh, because we had the Highland Clearances where people were in had their if you like sustainable way of life in, in, in parts of Scotland and that um, of course, if you clear people out of a sustainable community, and I'll come back to that in the context of other parts of the world, um, th- th- then they become dependent upon money. And to get money, you need to get work to be paid. But uh, one of the big th- people sometimes think I'm being a bit idealistic. But um, I know in my time in the villages in, in India, uh, I. I was really impressed how you don't need much money to live a happy and a healthy life in that context. There was no begging in the villages. There was no waste and rubbish. Everything was reused. You had had no social services or support because that was normally looked after by people in the village. There are exceptions, of course, but, but it was a, a, a closed, comfortable community feeding itself. You didn't need money because you swapped and bartered different items of food, you didn't have to go away and buy it. But if you close down that sort of community and drag people away uh, from it, then of course in, into our modern materialistic money oriented profit oriented money-orientated world, then you need money in order to get the food, so you're stuck in a catch-22 situation. Um, although although it, it's really interesting to see how so many people, certainly in the um, Rural areas, I, I don't, having not lived in Glasgow, I'm not sure, but I suspect some of it, there's a movement in the cities as well, um, if you like, towards uh, doing more locally um, in terms of food production and vegetable production and and, and localization, as we call it, rather than globalisation, um, the two words don't quite, they aren't quite opposites, but but lo- localising community action and, and food, for example, is, is something that's now, I think, becoming quite popular. Um, I quite like that one, if there's any Dick- Dickens fans. Um, uh, but the, the history of it is that he wrote that at a time when urbanisation was becoming a huge issue. And he was looking around and he, he sort of thought... What are all these people doing? They're dashing around,ing they're all stressed. They've all got these health issues, etc., etc. Um, and and uh, they're not happy. <laughs> that was his phrase. The air was filled with phantoms wandering hither and thither, in restless haste and moaning as they as, as they went. I think that's. I'm not sure we, we we all all do that, but I I think I know what he meant. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, so, we, industrial revolution, fossil fuels. Back to the travel theme, um, the, the, the steam engines go way back uh, to, to, to the 1800s. Um, coal driving them, of course, and water, and then the uh, oil discoveries and uh, petrol gas coming from the same source, late late 19th century. Uh, electricity was used a little bit earlier for some things, but that was a bit a bit later. And as we, is obvious, came in to 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 um, to, to uh, drive trams and more recently trains and more recently cars and then diesel of course is a big thing uh, that that is mostly behind these bottom things the buses and the the trains a lot of the cars now and the ships they usually use diesel of course diesel is is if I understand it rightly. A bit more harmful to human health than petrol, because there's a lot of very fine particles in it that actually damage the lung more easily than the particles that are exuded from the combustion of, of, of petrol oil. Um, and and so, so this is the world we live in, We've, we, we now are, are so dependent, I'm getting back to me coming back from India and getting shocked with all the motor cars I suppose. But I think we're now so dependent on this mechanised travel, we don't really think about it. We seem to have huge troubles doing anything about it. But these are some of the consequences we're all aware of. Panicking if the news says we might have no petrol in two days, and all of a sudden, even though there's plenty of petrol, we uh, are stuck in big queues at the garages. Um, many of us just drive half a mile or a mile to go and get go to the shops, which uh, is, is perhaps a bit odd. Um, we complain about the traffic jams, but we're d- not very good at doing anything about it <laughs> for some reason. It, we, we try, but not. It, it, to my mind it needs something much more fundamental than just tinkering at the, at the edges. Um, the tarmacking our countryside, I, 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 I'd have to go and look this up, but I think you can, for the whole of the UK, you can actually fly to the moon and back twice on, all the, on the tarmacked roads that cover the United Kingdom. There's a, a huge uh, swathe of, of, of the country is actually tarmac now. And that, of course, could well be related to some extent to our flood problems that we're, we're now getting when, when we've taken down, the, covered up all, all the soil that naturally drains the water. Um, you know, flying. I'm guilty of flying around the world sometimes for, less so than I used to for, for meetings. I'm afraid it's mostly usually to see friends rather than go to the meetings. The meetings are an excuse. <laughs> um, so, so uh, moving perhaps on to the, the the sort of social side of things, and of course this is involved with health. Uh, maybe I'll I just di- di- verse a little bit. How am I doing? Um, when when I was in the Christian Medical College, when I was working in 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 the villages, set up. Uh, I don't know if any of you know of the the institution, but I think it's a fantastic institution, a big teaching body. um, And they they do a lot of rural basic work, but you can also go there. I'd be quite happy to have my heart transplant and renal things done there. They've got both ends, and they take money from the well-off that come for for that sort of thing and then use it in other other ways, as well as providing quite a few of those services when appropriate for, for, for the the poorer people and and um, I think uh, we've got a, a similar dilemma dilemma here um, in, in getting getting that that balance right because we get a lot of benefits from moving around but from a health perspective uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, I've got quite a few friends at the moment who, who've had babies young younger folks and and uh, uh, it's, it's clear that the, if you don't have a close relative or your mum around, I think that's one of the major reasons why people these days find it difficult to breastfeed, because they haven't got a close relative around. It's a complete difference from having your mother there, who's breastfed two or three children, sitting around to help support those for early, early uh, months, uh, from having a, a health visitor come in once a week and just saying what, instructing what they should do. It, 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 I think this, this split up of families, which is now the norm, really in, in many for many of us, uh, has, has all these sorts of implications with with children and with um, dis- disabilities and care- I, I think I'm thinking of the Indian villages again, where these issues were <laughs> open and, and, and shared and, and also dying. Uh, I I can't help feeling, it's a bit weird that it's normal in this country, usually, that you have to die in hospital. Uh, And and many know when the medical students come along, I quite often say, have you you ever seen anyone dead or dying yet? And uh, the usual answer is no, maybe one in ten have, and they're in their 18th, 19th, 20th years. That could never happen in an Indian village, (laughs) because, you know, if someone dies they're immediately out in the street, everyone comes along to pay their respects, the children as well, and, and, and then the, the cremation is usually quite quickly afterwards. So it's quite impossible for people not to be aware of, of death at a young age. Um, commuting is fine, we're, we're able to do it, but we have to recognise, I think, that it takes quite a lot of time to commute, and it encourages. And I've been through this, having always lived out in the country, Drim and balfron Aberfoyle. of of my wife being much more familiar with what goes on in the local community than I was because I was coming in every day to Glasgow so she knew everybody but I only knew knew very very few my main um, center of activities was Glasgow whereas hers was was out in 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 the villages Um, and it's pretty obvious also the last observation that that exercise free travel which is what it is very good for gyms because if people drive around in their cars people want to get the exercise so they pay lots of money to go to gyms but if you actually walk or cycle to work uh, you you basically don't need to go to a gym unless you want to get certain muscles going did anyone watch the um, uh, curling today it's fantastic wasn't it i think it's a a uh, great, great sport, but they—they're obviously very fit. And I don't know whether they drive cars, but they obviously don't need to if they—if they do that. Um, but those are just some of the things that we all know can happen from travel. Um, getting a little bit onto the more onto the actual environment issues, rather than just effects on on us as human beings. Um, there's South American uh, situations, there's much of the Sahara Desert, there's parts in, 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 in India and other parts of the world that demonstrate this, how many of these wastelands or desert lands are not natural. They've come because of human activity, chopping down all, all the trees, land drying out, putting in monoculture uh Crops which are dependent on on petrol products for fertilising them, rather than natural fertilisers from the leaves and the the dead grasses and vegetations, etc. And and this this travel there is a link there. I hope you can see it. I can see it because that couldn't really happen unless you were able to get machinery and lorries and cars and things into those areas, uh, and and then bring out any products that that you've produced to sell all over the world or in other places. So so our our ability to travel so much more easily with mechanical means um, (coughs) rather than bullet carts and horses just speeds that whole process up. Um, And and just at the bottom, the deforestation, I think everyone acknowledges that that is the sort of process that comes along Uh, I've described just then the the infertility that can result um, uh, and the dependence on... A lot of of people don't realise that the fertilisers that people put on farmlands are oil-based, most of them. The the nitrogen fertilisers come from gas. um, And and um, uh, you end up with fields... If you take a little shovel on a big field that's been monocultured with modern-type farming and dig a bit up, the soil is hard and cloddy, and, and that's why you have to plough it. If you use nature's way with the, the the trees and the leaf and the vegetation to produce the compost, you don't even need to plough the land. Uh, it, it grows perfectly well, as we call, call dig free systems. And uh, it's, it's such a big... I suppose I'm very aware of that, because I've described that I grew up on one of these traditional farms. And watched this 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 change taking place, um, and we forget, of course, that forests can themselves provide enormous range of, of fruits and vegetables, and uh, as well as the the obvious wood, etc. Um, I've, I've touched on this, so I don't need to dwell on it too far. Um, that that this this ease of transport, this ease of travel. Uh, has has made it possible to i think it was the 1950s or 60s that many countries in the world decided that they would not restrict trade between countries so it globalized trade which of course was the trigger for for container ships for moving food products all over the world us getting our our um uh roast lamb from from new zealand uh there's there's more more concerning examples of of apples grown in Worcestershire where I grew up, going off to South America to be waxed and then brought back to Britain to be sold in supermarkets, prawns from Scotland going to Thailand to be deshelled, and then brought back to the UK to be sold. It all seems a little bit odd, and if you think of the environmental impact of the, the 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 the, the fuels, the fossil fuels we're using up and pollution etc. That, that that is used, it's because the shift has been towards profit rather than health. Um, you know, we are successful if we make profit and we get lots of money and in some sort of weird way we think that getting lots of money is going to make us healthy. But I'll, I'll, I'll come back back to that. If anyone's interested in that whole subject, this DVD, Economics of Happiness, goes into it in in, in, in quite detail. Um, on, on the travel side, that's just for my own amusement at the bottom. Uh, you can't quite see it. Uh, but. We all know that a lot of the tourist hotels, etc., say in Spain, are lying empty, and in Greece, because people aren't going to them now because it's, it's a sort of swing. It's all built when many people were travelling. Now there's less money, and people are more careful with it. That, that a lot of them are lying lying empty, never been used. But when I was uh, before I went to university, after after I decided to go into medicine, I went off with a friend round Europe for three months hitchhiking. Um, Great time. I was quite homesick and lots of things like that. But, but, And this was in Greece on the island of Mykonos. And you can't see it, but you can believe me, our little tent is just there. A little blue tent. Might, I don't know whether you can see it from a distance. Um, that beach is now that on the right-hand side. Um, so it, it's, its only way of survival for the local population is making sure that tourists continue to come and bring in all the money so that the people on the islands can buy... The food and veggies, etc., which are then imported from the mainland or other parts of the world. Um, maybe I'm a bit idealistic, but I just think there's something odd, odd about that that shift. That it's gone far too far. Um, um, we know from history and from travel that there are other ways of doing these things. Um, no, those of us that grew up after World War II. Um, I, I cycled from the age of eight to school, three miles on my own and back again. Um, very occasionally, the bus or train we certainly wouldn't be taken there by, by mum or dad. Um, and we all seemed to survive, except it was very cold in the winter and with coming back in the ice with freezing hands and despite the gloves. I've still got my hands. Um, and of course, after the war, when everyone had been growing their own fruit and veg and keeping their own chickens like my family did, um, that became a way of life and, and you shared eggs with neighbours and swapped parsnips for carrots and thing, things like that, I can remember clearly. And of course wastage, which is now such a big problem. We talked about recycling things, It's just a sort of after. If we didn't waste it in the first place, we wouldn't need to recycle them. Um, but um, I think a third is actually an underestimate. I had one of the SSC students uh, at the moment we've just had as, uh, who, who I love teaching the SSCs they're all so enthusiastic about the subject the ones that come to us anyway um, was working in Tesco's uh, I think in Paisley. Has Paisley got a Tesco's must have um, and uh, uh, she, 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 she came in when we were talking about this and she said I've just experienced that and I was horrified and she reckoned it was about 45% of the food that was past its sell-by dates, was just taken out the back and tipped and dumped, nothing done with it. Um, just seems a bit bizarre and, and I think I've, I've mentioned the, the Indian scene where, where even further towards non-wastage non- and producing your own food etc in, in, within the local community. Um, now I'm going to get a little bit philosophical just to finish off with because I, I'm sure all of us have wondered why I, I was going to say why have we got ourselves in this mess <laughs> because to me it sometimes does seem a mess that we we're, we're so profit orientated so money orientated we think we'll get healthy if we have enough money you know etc etc the, the, there's nothing else to it we we just we've got all the means we've just got got to do it um, and I, I just wonder if the problem is that that Uh, that that we've become over faithful in terms of what science is and and what it it can do. And those are two quotes that I I picked up um, that that the the author reckoned maybe symbolized what us as a community think. I'm not talking about all the individuals here, but what's ingrained in, in our society at the moment is an attitude whether we understand that we believe that or not, that man has become of age and the problems of production, uh, including improving our health, have been or can be solved by science. That's a very bold statement, I think. Um, and another one, back to the sort of nature agricultural side that I'm interested in. Nature is now a man's servant. That is how it was designed to be. And it's good to exploit nature for the betterment of mankind, so to, to satisfy our own ambitions and self-determined needs. That I, I don't know whether that brings any sort of sense of common sense to you uh, or not. The, the pictures at the bottom are one quite commonly used. Diagrams that sort of illustrate that, where we might think that this is man and all the rest is at our mercy. The other way of thinking is that is the world, the ecological system, and man is actually part of it, not, not necessarily a, a dominant species. Um, go, going on from that, um, how do we define science? I, I, I show the medical students this and say, "How many of you have thought about what science is?" And the answer—they're second or third years—and most of them haven't a clue. They, they just—they've heard of evidence-based medicine, which sort of links maybe to what science is. But um, when I was in Cambridge, this was one of the definitions which I, I felt was. Was was um, meaningful. It's also it can be used as a, di- a definition of philosophy as well. The search for truth u- using empirical observations, with a sense of awe and wonder, and an attitude of disinterest. I think that that probably describes evidence-based sort of research methods as well. Um, another quote from Dickens: "Take nothing on its looks, take everything on un- evidence." There's no better rule. Fine, but is that far enough? Um, the limitations as I see them, and I'd be open to any discussion or criticism, or if you think differently, is, is that I think it's right to say scientific truths, which we use in medicine all the time, are based on probability. They're not absolutes. This is the challenge in general practice, because we have drug trials that uh, probability says that such and such a drug will work 90% of the time, but it doesn't describe what's, what the situation was with the other 10%. And it may be that it'll work for some people. For that other 10%, uh, the point being that we, the, the trial we, we go on p's and, and, and probabilities, not on absolute truth. And particularly important, I think you probably would agree, that science in itself doesn't tell us what questions to ask. It might tell us some que- prompt us to think about some questions we could do research on, but it doesn't actually tell us what to ask. It's us through other thought processes, have to decide what we are actually going to do the research into. Are we going to develop nuclear bombs? Uh, Once we've got the knowledge to do so, uh, the argument is we have a choice whether we do or not. It isn't automatic. And and so many things, whether it's motor cars or whatever, um, we we have them and we use them because we can produce them, not necessarily because we want to. (laughs) Does does that make sense? It's 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 uh, um, so so it doesn't really tell us what questions to apply our scientific methods to, and equally, it doesn't tell us how we should use our nuclear bombs uh, when 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 we've got them. That's an ethical issue. Um, so it can be said science gives knowledge, but it's responsibility that gives sustainability. Going going back a little bit, um, looking at at. Um, Uh, uh, the travel side again Uh, those that feel uh, concerned about some of the aspects of of modern ways of living um, I think many of us do all these sorts of things now uh, but it's mostly at a local level perhaps encouraged a bit by the politicians and the governments But it seems to be if you like a sort of community action I I don't know whether I'd be interested afterwards to see if any of you feel the same but uh, maybe it's just the people i mix with i feel there is a a groundswell of people wanting to remove move towards these uh ways of ways of of uh, living um and then it'll take time in in a democracy of course for these things to spill over into action by politicians which uh, are possibly more related to getting re-elected than dealing with with long-term issues I saw Andrea looking at the pictures on the right, uh, that, the, the, these are just fun putting some of them in, this is a cycling trip. Uh, that, that's my borehole being put in at the house where we live to, uh, you didn't know what it was. <laughs> that's the borehole to, to give us, us ground source heat, uh, which is very, very simple. And that's all they need, that tiny little machine, and it put a borehole down 200 metres and put the pipes in and joined it all up so our house is now heated from from, from under sound underground heat source. That's just some of the fruit and veg I got from our forest garden in the summer. And that's the we're pictured a little bit old now of our recycling shop, Good Green Fun. If any of you go to Stirling, please come and visit it. Or if you've got grandchildren who want to get very cheap but good clothes, toys, equipment like that that have would otherwise have gone to a landfill site, um, please come and visit us. Almost there. Um, oh dear, I've forgotten to bring a box of chocolates. Has anyone got a box of chocolates? No? Um, uh, does anyone, can anyone work out from the picture who the, the guy that loves nature at the bottom there on the bicycle is? No any music lovers, classical music lovers Elgar? yes, well done, <laughs> yes, the, the enigma variations, and these are all the various people that were symbolized or demonstrated in, in, in his variations and, and that 's Elgar at the bottom, who used to spend much of his time. I was familiar with that, having grown up near Worcester and the Malverns of, of, of where he he did, and music comes i think is fits into this as well. Um, my last last but one slide. Um, I I, I, maybe, I would sense that perhaps one of the missing links when we're thinking that science is going to solve our problems mm. and we move on to saying, well, what questions do we ask and how, to, how do we use things, is a sort of decline, if you like, in awareness of what might... There's lots of terms to, you can use for this, but I, I quite like the word spiritual dimension. I'm not fond of religion because the word religion has so many connotations now and young people are turned off by the word religion without even thinking about it I think often because of Northern Ireland, because of of, of Syria, of, of all the battles between the different what I would call institutionalized religions rather than the core values of of most of the, the um, religions that I'm aware of, Hinduism. Islam and, and, and Christianity which have lots of common goals um, that's just an example top left of of of, um, of uh, if you like um, uh, meditation mindfulness is people aware of mindfulness the the process of, of Uh, relieving stress and anxiety and there's actually good scientific evidence Oxford people have worked a lot on it that show how we can control our our minds by exercises and uh, um, thought processes I think I'm the worst one at it because I I teach it a little bit but I'm the worst one of applying the principles myself because I don't practice it enough but I'm sure it works involving breathing um, focusing on single things and, and keeping the other thoughts out of your mind as far as you can and just saying, oh, my mind's wandering away from what I'm contemplating at the moment. Sorry, mind, will you go away for a minute? I'm doing this, uh, disciplining our, our, our minds. And and that, that um, I, I just use yoga as an example, but I'm talking about the, the, the real um, South Asian yoga. Uh, there's only elements of, of this in various yogas that go on in, in this country which have been adapted a bit like chicken tikka masala to the, 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 the UK tastes. Uh, whereas yoga to a lot of people now means means uh, postures and standing on one leg and all this sort of thing, which is great fun, but the, the focus of it in in, in India and, and Nepal is more more on, on the mindfulness. Um, no appreciation of nature, the, the, the bottom left one there. Uh, most of you will have probably heard of the problems on the island of Egg, uh, where where this American company was coming to come in and make the whole island into a, a quarry for production of raw materials to ship round the world, and the the Egg community got together and managed to defeat this international conglomerate, and and take over the island th- th- themselves. And that that book, The Soil and Soul, is is um, uh, a book written about that whole process. If anyone's interested and and uh, just their appreciation of nature I think is summed up in that picture. Um, uh, I quite like that top right one and I think Elgar comes into that again. Did anyone see the, 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 the royal barge on the Thames during the, the, the Jubilee last year or the year before? And I found it quite moving because the Queen was there with her family in the boat <coughs> and this barge came down. Inside the barge was an orchestra and here was the choristers on the top singing, singing um, Elgar. And uh, uh, just when they were about to start singing, torrential rain came down. Um, but it didn't put, put them off at all. And I thought that was just a wonderful example of, of commitment, regardless of, of adversity that comes in to make, make things difficult. And then I think the, the, the parables, the good Samaritan... Interestingly, I, I don't know whether you'd agree, but I, I, if, if, I, if I look at all the parables that we have got in the New Testament, I would say 90% of them are, relate to things in the moment, how we behave in the moment. And The, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan classically is that um, the prodigal son is another, where all prejudices, all past thoughts, all, all side-trackings just disappear. See someone in distress, compassion comes along and and you you look after the, the the you look after the person. Um although medical students some you you'd think they haven't really, most medical students or a lot of medical students have actually have have some sort of background of, of religious education. Um and many of them I find do come because of a a a, a spiritual feeling that they're coming into medicine to to, to help mankind and others. Um they have no trouble whatsoever grasping this concept of spirituality. It's just us old hags that find it difficult. Uh, they, 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 they seem to, to lap it up. Um, and Of course, related to that, of course, is we're not here forever. We're all transient, and the spiritual aspects of, of how we behave uh, have to be related to the fact that, that uh, we're only here for a short period of time. And what are we going to do with it? Are we going to spend all our time uh, making lots of money and think that'll take us to heaven all seems a little bit odd. So just to finish, a couple of quotes. Um, uh, this is these are things we studied in in Cambridge. I remember um, Chesterton um, and St Francis. We had to study books about both of them, and uh, Chesterton, the arch rationalist. Um, quotes from him the business of conservatives they don't isn't particularly mean conservative party but conservatives is to remain the same uh, so which which prevents mistakes from being corrected that's Chesterton's comment whereas the progressives which isn't necessarily equated to socialism is to make changes so that we can continue to learn how to correct these mistakes That that could be talked about as rationalism, but then I I, I would sense that many of us would like to be much more romantic, Um, and and like St Francis of Assisi, the responsibility of man is to protect and enjoy nature. The environmental issue coming in, he certainly saw us as part of the environment and not as a dominant force um, as stewards of God's creation, because we are creatures ourselves, and. I'd like personally to think that I won't be here to see it, I'm sure, but you can get flavours of it, that maybe society is moving a little bit away from this consumerism, materialist and profit-orientated approach to something that's more community and personal and compassionate. Um, that's it. Thanks very much. I've gone <clears throat>